Well, good to see you guys. If, uh, if you're brand new to Sunridge, my name's Britt. I am a pastor here, and we are just so thrilled that you came to join us. Uh, if you've been at Sunridge a long time, thanks. Thanks for coming back. Really appreciate that. I know uh, a lot of you are here just because your kids are over there, and you're getting an hour date. You're calling this a date, you know, because your kids are being watched, but uh, I'm just going to, like, live in my own fantasy land and think that you came to hear the Bible taught today. So, um, you guys all right? This is online. I'm rolling out some great stuff here. So, <laughs> anyway, um, you might have heard that we're starting a brand new series today called Deeply Rooted. I don't know if we've like gotten that message through or not, but uh, it's accompanied by a great 10-week study, uh, small group study called Rooted, and we just encourage you to jump in if there's any space left. I know these groups have really filled up, and we're just thrilled to be going through uh, these 10 weeks about what it means to have deeply rooted faith, what it looks like, and the steps that we can take to deepen uh, the faith that we already have, and maybe for some of you, step across that line of faith for the very first time. And so what I want to do is like call your attention today to a guy that you've probably heard of, Jeremiah. He's an Old Testament prophet, and uh, he has an, a book named after him in your Old Testament. And a prophet was somebody who spoke for God, and Jeremiah, for good or for bad, he ended up being a spokesman for God during a time of great upheaval in the nation of Israel's uh, history. You know, the northern part of their kingdom or their nation had already imploded and been taken over by Babylon. And so the southern part of the kingdom that uh, Jeremiah was part of, that uh, he, they knew that they were on borrowed time. And so Jeremiah has been talking to the people, speaking on behalf of God about uh, how they can turn back in faith toward him, even in the midst of all the turmoil that they're facing. And in return, his friends abandon him and his colleagues mock him and those in authority persecute him. And it's to that situation that we find Jeremiah's words today that we're going to look at today. And what makes them so poignant to me is that, you know, he doesn't, he's not gloating that this thing is happening. There's no, I told you so, satisfaction in the fact that everything I've been telling you is coming true. Instead, his heart is broken. In fact, there's another book in your Old Testament right next to Jeremiah called Lamentations. And that's what Jeremiah is doing because these, he's lamenting because these are his people. And he's going through these same trials. And, you know, his friends and neighbors are going to be taken from their land, distributed in places that uh, Babylon wants them, and uh, some are going to die. And it's just not a fun time. And Jeremiah is left to talk to those people. And he has the, the assignment to bring some redemption into this situation as every leader should be able to do, to to talk to the people that are experiencing great turmoil and great pain and point them back to God. So that's what makes these words especially um, piercing to me. And so um, we don't often do this, but I I would love to have you stand, and we're going to put Jeremiah's words up on the screen, and I would like for us to read them aloud. Because this is what he has to say to the people that are going through the toughest time of their lives. It's in Jeremiah 17, 
and it begins in verse 7. So read along with me. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Thanks, thanks a lot for doing that. You can be seated. Um, you know, Jeremiah, with this incredible task, speaks directly to what his hearers are experiencing, and they connect to this imagery that he's giving them. He, I'm sure that uh, Jeremiah wasn't up on uh, literature or grammatical construction, but this is metaphoric framing. Um, you know, hu- human beings have the capacity to see patterns. And um, so we, we recognize these patterns, and it it's, begins at the base level. And animals can do this as well, but human beings have a higher capacity to do this. You know, um, maybe with your kids or even with your grandkids right now, you're playing that little shapes game where there's some container, and they've got to figure out what the shape is and put it in the right hole so that it drops into the container. We, we have the ability to do that. But we have a greater capacity cognitively than the animal kingdom in that we can recognize patterns between that which is concrete and connect them to the abstract. And that's what metaphoric framing is doing, what it does. And that's what Jeremiah has done here. He's connected this this tree that has no feelings or whatever to, to life. It's what makes a parable work. You know, literally parable, the word means to throw alongside. So uh, when Jesus was giving parables, he would throw two truths down on the ground, basically, and they would compare. And so Jeremiah is making connections for these people that are experiencing great turmoil. He's connecting um, their life to a tree, the tree to roots, and ultimately, the roots to how it affects life. And for them, living in 600 B.C., they made the connection. Because, they, you know, picture living an agrarian and sometimes nomadic life where your, your survival or even your satisfaction depended upon where you were located. And your proximity to resources had a great deal to do with whether or not you lived through the next week or whether you were content and happy today. And so the people that he's talking to, they get what he's saying. He's saying, I wish I could be like that tree. Because that tree has everything it needs. And if I could just find a place like that where I could settle so that no matter what happens to me, you know, today I have food and water, but tomorrow it could disappear. And so Jeremiah creates this whole picture that draws him in that longingly they say, I wish I could have that life. 
Because if I were like that tree, I could write out the worst fears that I have in my life. He says, this tree, it does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. When they look at the tree, they say, you know, it's not vulnerable to scorching heat or times of drought. And nothing keeps it from producing fruit. It has no worries. Akuna matata. <laughs> but as they heard him tell this parable or metaphor, they said, I want that life. But it seems impossible to them because, first of all, any ideal location is already taken by somebody in this region, and none of them are saying, hey, I'm ready to move on. You want to have this ideal location? And even if you had one, there was always someone stronger and bigger and badder than you that would take your ideal location. And even if you could survive all that, there were just natural climate occurrences and just everyday life that threatened their existence. You know, the reason why I tell you about Jeremiah's words in that time is because People have been longing after the same things for centuries. And we've been looking longingly at a life that we can imagine. And, and we imagine a life that says, you know, if only my life were like this. If I could just be in that place. If I didn't have to worry about the next thing. The next thing that was going to threaten my capacity to thrive or even to survive. If I only had this or I didn't have that. We've been doing that for centuries and you know realistically we might want a perfect life but we know that we can't have it. And so all we're really asking for is the capacity to get through those challenges and the changes that life brings to get through life's ups and downs and the losses that we experience and the everyday challenges of our family and our marriage and raising kids and paying the bills and having confidence in our decisions or picking the right career or moving in the right direction in my career or getting the education that I need or like pursuing even more education, having a life with meaning or a life with just purpose no matter what I'm facing. Is anybody with me here? Can I get a witness? The first service was much better at that. <laughs> we don't want a perfect life, but we want something substantial that allows us to go through life with confidence. Who is the person that gets this life? Who, what's the answer? Jeremiah says in verse 7 that blessed or happy, an overused word, but it means an inner contentment. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. The person that gets this life is the one who has trust and confidence in God. And you know, those two words, trust and confidence, they're synonymous with the word faith, according to your Google definition. And if Google says it, you know it's true, right? So I'm going to put it up there. The Google definition, if you just, you can check, fact check me on this. Faith 
is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Trust and confidence. That is faith. Now let me just take a little theological uh, trip with you about faith. I think that, uh, you know, I think you could put faith in two categories. There's, there's saving faith. Saving faith is the result of consciously placing your faith in Jesus Christ for your eternal salvation. That's saving faith. Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 8, many of you are familiar with this simple verse that kind of captures everything, the essence of saving faith. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Paul says that Saving faith comes as the result of grace. It's, it's not merited. It's not something that we can buck up to or earn. It's God's grace that saves us. And the agency through which that saving faith comes is through the faith that God gives us. It is a gift from God. And I know that, like, you know, if people get insecure when we start talking about, you know, um, Saving faith, we start to wonder, did I, did I hit all the steps? Have I, have I done saving faith? Do I have that? And, you know, basically saving faith is, it comes in different packages, but it has the same three components to it. It's the content, conviction, and confession. So content of saving faith is, I need a Savior. I am a sinner. It starts there. It's like, I need saving. And there was someone who came to save me. His name is Jesus Christ. And while I was still a sinner, he died for me. And even though he died for me, I still have to reach out and appropriate that faith to engage it. I'm broken. I need a Savior. And Jesus Christ is my Savior. But it isn't just about content, it's also about conviction, which is the belief in that content. So I could step back and I could look at this stool and I could say, you know, I know all the content of this stool. It has a little back, it has a padded seat, um, it swivels, it has a little foot thing here, it has a pole, it has a nice sturdy stand. And so this is the content of the stool. But I'm really not believing in it until I sit in it, and faith is the same way. And the way we sit in it is through confession. And Paul's kind of like put all that together in one section of Scripture in Romans 10, 9, and 10, where he, he writes this, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. See, Paul says there's content, the recognition that I need saving. And there, that content, I believe with my heart. And I activate it by confessing Jesus is Lord. Do you know that maybe you came to church and you think that Jesus made a bunch of religious people and unreligious people or churches for good people and, and not, not people that struggle with everyday things. It's like that's not true at all. Jesus came to save sinners. And you can step across the line of faith, even if you don't get every little nuance of it, just by, if you believe that content, that you're a sinner and you need Christ and you're willing to, to confess that 
and believe it in your heart, no matter what kind of prayer you put together to appropriate that, that is saving faith. But that's not the end game. There's, there's another kind of faith, which today we're going to call established faith. An established faith is a faith that is growing into a substantive, resilient, and life-giving trust in God. This is established faith. See, faith can be shallow or deep. It can be weak or strong. It can be substantial or it could be flimsy. There's much more. If you, if you are a believer in Christ, if you, have, if you have saving faith, there's much more than just saving faith. Here's a few verses that outline that in uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians, 1.23. If you continue in your faith, that is your saving faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. There's, there's an establishment of my faith. And it takes me to continue in that. There's a firmness to my faith if I do so. And then Peter writes in 2 Peter 1.12, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth you now have. He's saying that part of my role as a spokesperson for God in the early church is to constantly remind you of these things that, which will help establish your faith, to take you beyond saving faith and continue your growth in established faith. Here's one way to look at it. On the day that Cindy and I got married, we said vows to one another. And we meant them with all of our heart. Did we completely understand everything we were saying? No. But we meant them with all our heart, and we said those things to one another. But you know, those vows took on a whole new meaning at the end of year one. And then they became deeper still after year five. And then in year 10, they meant something even more to us. In year 15, in year 20, and 25, and 30. And you know, this September, Cindy and I will celebrate 40 years being married to one another. Now, I know that applause is for Cindy, not me. She's a saint. And by the way, honey, the first service also applauded just as strongly. So you got your props there for enduring life with Brit. There's like vows on your marriage, on your wedding day, and then there's like your understanding of those vows continuing to grow together after 40 years. It's different. That's like established faith. And you know, Jeremiah captured the essence of that difference. In, in verse 7, he said, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him, and he will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Over time, this tree sinks its roots deep. And so Jeremiah is saying that established faith looks like a deeply rooted tree. I'm going to put a picture up on the screen. And I want to ask you, what do you see in this picture But besides a, a spike that can take some sweet jumps? This is my steed my intense tracer. And um, this summer, 
my family and some friends, we traveled to Whistler, uh, British Columbia, and we went on a mountain biking trip, and Whistler is amazing. It's, I tell everyone, um, the forest looks fake. It looks like Disney made it. It's so beautiful. But we rode on a trail, me and um, my son-in-laws and uh, a friend, um, to a place, to another trail. We took this trail to another trail, um, and this is what we rode over. And what you can't really appreciate is the incline here that went on for an hour and a half or two hours. And the trailhead that we were heading to was called Comfortably Numb. Shout out to all the Pink Floyd fans, right? But what I can tell you after two hours of climbing over roots and rocks is that uh, I wasn't comfortable and I wasn't numb. And uh, the trail didn't live up to its uh, title. It should have been called Get Off Your Bike 50 Times on this trail. That's what they should have called it, and walk. Um, but when I look at this picture, what I see is a tree that is an overachiever. Do you know uh, recently an arborist, a local arborist here, told me that the roots of a tree go out three times the height of the tree. Trees overdo their thing. They sink their roots deep and wide. And Jeremiah says that the person that does that with their faith lives at a different level. Jeremiah says that faith isn't just a thing that is off in the future, like your 401k that you keep putting money into, and hopefully one day, you can't touch it today, but one day it's going to come through for you, as long as you don't get run over by a bus or something like that. Faith isn't just for the future. He says that it makes a difference right now. And Paul echoes these words in Galatians 2.20 when he says, the life that I live in the body, this life I'm living now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, faith is not something just for the afterlife. It's something for our present life. And faith isn't just a culmination of like, hey, there it is, now I got it. It's a beginning. That's why the New Testament refers to saving faith as being born again. You're born and now you grow. So the truth is, your faith is the most important thing about you today. Your faith is the most important thing about you today. Here's why. With your faith deeply rooted, you can face life's challenges with confidence. With your faith deeply rooted, you can face life's challenges with confidence. Jeremiah said, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who places his confidence in him. In fact, he ascribes emotions to the tree. He says, this tree that has done that is fearless. It does not fear when the heat comes. You know, most of us suffer from some level of anxiety about the choices that we're making in life, we've, you know, uh, go to school, not go to school, next step in my career, stuff in my family. We're, 
you know, there is just something different about somebody who has a deeply rooted faith in making those decisions. I'm not saying that you don't wake up in the middle of the night concerned about things or, you, you know, there's all kinds of stress that comes in life. But someone who has deeply rooted faith, we can, you can move forward with confidence that God is with you and he's leading you. You're facing all kinds of decisions and you're asking yourself, can I do this? Can I, can I get through this next step? Can I go through this experience? If your faith is deeply rooted, you can have the confidence that your next step will be led by God. Just recently, um, I, I sat down with two people who have learned that they have cancer. They're both Christians, very serious cancer. And you know, their outlook and their family's outlook, look, it's different. There's a confidence in them that God is with them. On the other hand, I, I met with somebody this week who is in the middle of their life dream. They've purchased a property and they're remodeling it in an amazing way. And they're going to hold venues and weddings on their property and they're just moving ahead. And it's like, they're moving ahead with the confidence that God is in this for them. Just last week, I was talking to a young person who went through a nasty breakup. And even though they're new to their faith, there's a difference in, in they're, they're engaging this trauma in their life through the lens of faith. And it's giving them confidence that their life isn't over because this relationship is over. Um, I, I talked to a guy recently who, he, he had such clarity about the way he should do sales in his company. And you know, all of his bosses doubted him. And, and he's like, no, this is like, you know, this, I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to, let me, let me do this. And then you can hold me accountable to it. And he moved forward with confidence, knowing that like God, that, that God is in this with him. And he had a record year. And now all those bosses that were telling him, hey, you know, like, you know, this is not the way. You need to do it this way. They're all coming to him and saying, hey, show us that way. Yesterday I pulled up to the church, and all of our Team World Vision folks were out running and walking and finishing. And, you know, we had people that did six miles for the first time yesterday. And then the people that are running the full marathon... They did 15 miles. That's a long drive, let alone a run. And I saw them all suffering. They were suffering. And, you know, but they, there's like, it's, it, they're not just out running. There's like a confidence in them that God is going to take them through this process for clean water in Africa. But also, it's more than that. It's more than that to them. There's a journey for them, and God is in it. Last week, we learned that a ministry that we have been working on for almost a year, in which all the pieces were coming together, and, and we have taught, I'm not going to tell you about it exactly right now, but um, 
we put so much effort in this, so much organization, and it seemed like every piece was coming together, and this, this past week we learned that that is dead. It's over. And, you know, all the people that have put so much into that, I've watched them process that through the lens of faith. And they have a confidence that God is going to do something. Maybe it's something different, and, and we will learn from the thing that we went through. With a deeply rooted faith, you can face life's challenges with confidence. You know, roots anchor a tree, just like faith. But it's more than just get through it with faith. With a deeply rooted faith, you can thrive through life's ups and downs. There's a thriving, and Jeremiah says, you know, of this tree, its leaves are always green. And I don't know about you, but I think it, a better classification of my faith on some days is deciduous faith. You know what I'm saying? Like my leaves fall off when things don't go my way. And yet Jeremiah looks at this tree and he sees that, that just thriving no matter what is coming, what is happening. You know, I've heard preachers and other Christians say, you know, God will never give you anything that you cannot handle. That is total baloney. God always gives me, unless I'm on a different program, maybe I'm like, you know, work, work improvement program with God, but like he constantly gives me things that I cannot handle. And if, and if that's your perspective, you know, I don't want to argue with you, but like I just challenge you, like start reading your Bible again. And start at the beginning and look at Abraham, who his life is together, he's got this great business, and God comes to him and says, hey, you're going to move. And, you know, oh, I'm not going to tell you where you're going to move yet. Leave all this stuff and go over there. Is that something you could handle? Not me. And then there's Joseph, who we just studied. You know, he's, he's eagerly following after God, and his family throws him in a pit, tries to murder him, sells him off to slavery. Is that something I can handle? Not me. God is constantly bringing things into our lives that we cannot handle. And I find myself imploding in those areas in which I think I could just allow my faith to go deeper. And, you know, there's thriving not just in, like, the low times. There's, like, the way we thrive in the high times when things are good is entirely different when it comes from a place of deeply rooted faith. You will experience the blessings of God and the peacefulness and the fruitfulness in a whole different way when your faith is deeply rooted. And then lastly, with a deeply rooted faith, you can live purposefully through your circumstances. Purposefully through your circumstances. Jeremiah says of this tree, it never fails to bear fruit. That is, in the middle of the, the greatest challenge that you can imagine, you're still fruitful. Isn't that something that we all want? We want to be able to step forward in confidence no matter what life brings us. We want to be able to thrive in spite of, you know, like not just put everything on hold till I get through this thing. And we want to be fruitful even in the biggest challenges that we may face. You know, sometimes the biggest challenges bring the sweetest fruit. 
And I, I don't know about you, but like, you know, preachers live the same kind of life everybody else does. We have challenges. We, we fuss in our household. Um, you know, we live normal life. But I would have to say some of the greatest challenges in the last 10, 15 years of my life have come from doing ministry. And, you know, this church has been through some big challenges in our history. And I can tell you that some of those times were the darkest times for me. And it was like all due to, like, what is God going to do through Sunridge? But I can also tell you that as I moved forward with God, it's like I feel like God was, fruit was coming out in spite of, like, great pain. Sometimes that fruit looked more like, you know, like letting some things go and being more merciful and, you know, gracious to people that don't agree and, you know, hold an, an opposite opinion strongly from you. And it's just like let things go. And then other times that fruit was a deeper and stronger conviction about something that I was going through. But that was all built on history that I'd had with God. You know, Paul talks about deeply rooted faith as well in Colossians 2.6. He says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, just as you received saving faith, continue to live in him. Continue to grow. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. You know, over the next 10 weeks here at Sunridge, we're going to talk about deeply rooted faith. And I can tell you that roots, they don't grow overnight. And they don't grow without challenge and risk and stress. So if you're looking for a place or challenge to deepen the roots of your faith, I want to encourage you, stick with us for the next 10 weeks. Walk with us through this series, because obviously we can't talk about everything in this one message. We're going we're gonna to learn what deeply rooted faith looks like, and we're going to learn what is part, what are the parts of sinking the roots of our faith more deeply. Be here. If you can, join a rooted group. If you can't, take the questions that are on the back of your, of your notes and find somebody to sit down with during the week. Maybe it's your small group. Maybe it's a group of friends. Maybe it's your wife or your husband or your family. Like, talk about these things during the week because it is all about us developing a substantial, resilient faith. Not just for the sweet by and by, but for the nasty now and now. And by the way, if you've never taken a step towards saving faith, you know you can do that at any time. And there are plenty of people to ask about, about what that means around here. I'm one of them. And we would love to help you. If you have questions about faith, you can just put them on your, those uh, little cards that we give you. 
and we'll pray for you or like we'll point you toward a resource or answer your questions. Give your faith a chance to sprout for the very first time or to be established. It'll change your life. Let's pray.